Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. So friends, I'm going to give you a heads up that this morning isn't We're going to lean into motherhood a little bit, but I am not doing a full-blown Mother's Day sermon, and I am doing so because sometimes folks forget that pastors have moms too. And on a day like today, my mother, who I suspect is joining us this morning, I don't know this, but I got a hunch, is going, what is he going to say? Okay, which is not a real comfortable place, and if I promised my own mother that I wasn't going to tell stories about her... The next logical person who gets a little nervous is Jenny right there. Like, oh no, what's he going to say? And I have done them both wrong at various times in my... Now, that's, that head bob's too big. Right? Gentle, not like this. Like, I've, <laughs> I have done them both wrong. And so in the spirit of allowing my mother and my wife and all the mothers who have loved me over the years, including many of you who are in the pews this morning... I want to lean into motherhood, but I won't be telling my own Mother's Day stories today. But I do want to lean into the mother thing. So we turn to mother, I'm going to invite you, to turn to this idea of mother, not in words, but in art, in lines, and in color. Today, I'd like to spend a little time with mom through a religious icon. And for all of you, it is printed in your bulletin. If you are like Jenny, she said, you could have given me a warning. It's very large, all right? You can't miss it. But we're going to be discussing this piece of art for a little bit. And for those of you who are online, it is being shown so you can follow along. I'll explain to you a little bit about what this particular icon is. But I want to start with what is a religious icon? If you spent time in church, perhaps you've seen art that is kind of in this style. It has sort of a Byzantine or Eastern kind of motif to it. It feels religious. It feels like it has a point to it. But here's how icons have functioned in the life of the church. The Western church, of which we are a part, think Europe, North America, etc., has always leaned into faith through the action of listening. This is why we emphasize the reading of the word. It's why we emphasize prayer, all these kind of things. We lean into listening. But the Eastern church, as it originated in Greek and Constantinople and and into Russia and so on and so forth, the Eastern church always emphasized in its piety gazing. These are not the same thing. They always said it is better for us to look upon the goodness of God which is why icons come from the Eastern traditions and have something unique to say to us. Icons are theology in art. Some some commentators describe them as a window into heaven. It's as if we could walk up to the house of heaven and look inside. We can't see everything that's going on, but this picture that is often in a rectangle is like a window allowing us to see into the life of God. The idea then, when we come to them, is not that we figure them out, like we so often do with the Bible, right? What does it mean? Give me the meaning. But no, it's not that we figure them out. It's rather that they speak to us as we gaze upon them, as we spend time with them. Of course, there are some basics. There are some standard gestures or interpretations that play into religious iconography. But that's not really what it's about. And in this way, this gazing 
is a perfect antidote to our culture because it invites us, sit here, be still, just pray. You can't, it's like with your mom. You can't just run in, say hi, and leave. It's, mom, I want to spend some time with you. And that's what icons invite us to do. Icons are written, they're not drawn or painted, they are written to lead us into the inner room of prayer and bring us closer to the heart of God. And so the one that we have in front of us today is, of course, an image of a mother. I figure, well, let's, let's do that. And it's often an image that goes missing in our larger imagery. I mean, think about it. All of you who come to church every single week have 52 weeks of a dude, okay, when you come in here, all right? I know it's Jesus. Sorry, we're allowed to call him a dude. We rarely have images of mothers. And so it's important that we allow mothering imagery into our faith, our, our larger sort of portfolio of religious imagery. But this one is particularly difficult to find sometimes because it's not just a mother. It's, and we often have pictures of Mary like holding Jesus after he comes off the cross, right? But here we have an image of Mary holding her child, Jesus. This particular icon is called in the iconography the Eliusa, which basically translates to loving kindness, the virgin of loving kindness, And in this way, the name itself is a trailhead showing us the path to walk as we pray with it. In this icon, we see the loving kindness of Mary, but also the loving kindness of Christ played out in this beautiful and intimate setting. And such an image is most appropriate on this day because this is an image, as we think about those who have loved us and cared for us, that it can lead us, again, to the inner room of prayer and bring us closer to the heart of God, which is always loving kindness. So how do we want to unpack this? Well, it's often, when it comes to religious icons, the question is usually, where do we enter the icon, and then where do we exit? Not unlike a highway. What do I use to get on the highway, and then what do I use to get off the highway? Well, I suspect that for most of us, as we look at this icon, the thing that grabs us first are the eyes of Mary. You can't help but be drawn in by this gaze, and it's an intense Gaze. It is not one who is struggling and running around trying to figure, okay, I got a million things to do. No, she is dialed in to the one who is praying. And you can't help but be drawn in. And in this way, the eyes of Mary remind us that she is a welcoming hostess. She invites us in, into this place, into this image. She's got her child there, so it is a household, so to speak. But in so many ways, like a good mom, she says, come on into the house. There is plenty here for you. Come and spend some time here. Mary represents the ways that we so often come to Christ with an invitation, with hospitality, inviting us fully and completely into the life of her home with generosity and grace. And in this way, we discover that we are not, friends, an imposition We are not a burden to those who are doing the stuff in the life of faith. We are not a burden to Mary and to her household. Neither are we a burden to Jesus. We are welcomed and invited to come in. But perhaps we lose this at times. We say, yes, that's beautiful in this image, but so often I do feel like a burden. And so often we're always in the business of doing stuff in the life of faith. We serve the church. We do stuff. We give. We serve others. We're running around in a million different ways. And sometimes it can feel that if we don't keep moving, then the faith would stop as if our faith is lived out only by what we do. But this image, the eyes of a mother, 
remind us that we are always invited just as we are. Even when we do our work, our work is nothing more than an invitation into God's hospitality and love. We do not do it for God. We are invited to do it as a gift from God. So the message is always, come on in. You are welcome here. As you are, whether you're working or resting, whether you need a meal or you need to get something off your chest, you are always welcome in the household of God. But we are guests. This is not our household. And what we discover as we continue to move through this icon is this household is something else entirely. Because our eyes want to move from the eyes of Mary down to the child, yes? There is a motion to this, and we move down to the child. Now, the chi- thinking of Jesus as a child can be a little bit jarring for us, or it can be a little, you know, oh, I hadn't thought about that enough, and for good reason. The gospel writers don't spend a lot of time with Jesus' childhood at all outside of the Christmas narrative. We get one story, Jesus in the temple, which is a lovely story in and of itself, but we, re- we get almost nothing about Jesus' child, but we can talk about it here in imagery. And what's interesting is that even though the gospel writers weren't all that interested in it, Jesus himself seemed to be uniquely concerned with the experience of children. And everybody's going, oh yeah, I know where he's going with this. Of course you do. Jesus said, let the little children come unto me and do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of God. The disposition of a child, Jesus says, is fundamental to understanding the world that Jesus comes to bring. But when we think of Jesus, yes, if I ask you to create an image of how you think of Jesus, it would be the rabbi, the respectable teacher, with all due respect to all my teachers who are here who have loved me throughout the years. Jesus, meek and mild, stoic, perhaps. But that is not what the artist gives us here. And in doing so, the artist challenges much of our thinking about the relationship between God's mercy and our initiative in repentance. Because in this picture, Jesus shows himself as a boisterous, unkempt, rambunctious kid. He, you can see it in his face. He is yearning for physical contact, right? It's not just like holding hands with mom. He's got his face shoved right up against her. If you look very, very carefully, you can see, now it, it's not proportional, but you can see on Mary's neck, the hand, one of the hands of Jesus is wrapped all the way around her neck so that it comes all the way around. Jesus has got her in a chokehold, pulling her close. Y'all are seeing it now, right? There's like this, Jesus like, I got you, mom. And the longer you sit with it, the more that it starts to come to your mind that is this beautiful symbol of chaotic, intense closeness. And every mom, you all got here first. All of you who have actually sat with a child in church know this scene inside and out. With the squirrely kid, right? The kid that just won't sit still, is grabbing at you, pulling your hair, you know, trying to get to the crayon. Oh, my, drop my Cheerio. Now you got to go into the pew. You all been in this scene, right? I haven't because I stand up here every Sunday, okay? But other people have. This is why I don't do a lot of time telling you how to be mothers. I don't know how to do it. I'm standing up here. But one commentator said, the love that we see from Jesus here is that of an eager and boisterous child scrambling up on his mother's lap. 
Instead of the effort to bridge the enormous gap between who we understand Jesus to be and what we have to be doing, between God and my sinful self, we get in this picture a movement, direct, intimate, overwhelming, even embarrassing, God's movement towards us. In Jesus, we discover that God is antsy. God is struggling to draw near to us. God has got his arm wrapped around our neck and is pulling us in, yearning for a touch, yearning for closeness with us. And this energy, this passion and love is to art what Luke 15 is to writing. When, the, when, when Luke writes, he says, who among you, if you had a hundred sheep but lost one, wouldn't go looking for that one? And it's not just this farmer, you know, kind of idea, oh gosh, one of my sheep ran off, I gotta go find the sheep. No, the author describes it as you go and you find the sheep and you bring it back and you are celebrating and rejoicing so much that you call your neighbors and be like, yo, the sheep that ran away, I found it. All y'all have lost an animal know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, it is a time of rejoicing, not of, I'm so glad I found my sheep. No, you're excited about this. That's the kind of Jesus that is described in Luke 15. It's the one who pulls us close. And it's the Jesus who gets into a wrestling match with us, who cares little for the appropriateness of social conformity, but lets the passion of finding us come pouring out. In this icon, Christ is passionately grasping at Mary and at humanity, at you and me. This is the kind of child that on a normal Sunday we might give a side eye to, you know, oh, their kid is acting up today. But that's who Jesus is. And Jesus shows us God's reckless, unbound, and extravagant love towards us. Now, out of the side of our eye, as we think about this Jesus moving around, Mary does the right mother thing. You just got to grab this kid by the rear end, right? Our hands go down, our eyes go down to where Mary's hand is, that first hand that is just supporting it, hand underneath the child, gripped tightly. We can feel her squeeze, yes, but she's still open-handed. This is not an angry mother. It's not the mother who's like, you know, doing something to keep her kid subdued. It's the open hand of a mom who says, I'll support you. And Mary invites us to support, to hold this child, to hold this understanding of Jesus, to hold this notion of God, this unruly, undeterred person of Christ. Let Jesus be a child and let him be unreserved in coming to us and showing his love for us. But if we're going to do one hand of Mary, we've got to do the other. Our eyes want to do this loop and it comes back because the one hand is almost gesturing to the other hand, Yes? And what we discover, after a long gaze spending time at this, is that the eyes of Mary are not the center of this icon, and the person of Jesus is not the center of this icon. The thing that is at the center of this icon is Mary's hand. And the hand, so delicate, so simple, again, not clenched, just making a simple gesture, all she does is gesture to her child. And here we have the real center of the icon and the real center of what Mary, a mother, says to us. She keeps moving us to Jesus as if saying, the only reason I'm here is to point you to my kid, which is what lots of good moms do. They're like, hey, you can do anything you want to me. Just be good to my kid. And that's what Mary's inviting us to do. As she supports Jesus with one hand, she invites us to do the same in the other. There's no coercing, no forcing, no demanding, no finger pointing, no urgency. Just, hey, here's my kid. The simple, hospitable, gentle invitation to the life of faith. So very different than the ways of religion in our day, yes? 
we were constantly coercing one another into ways of being. Now that is gentle, it's lovely, it's beautiful, but we do return back to the eyes. And Mary's eyes remind us of the burden of carrying this child, yes? To carry a God that is this unruly, this close, this embracing, will not be easy. And any mom will tell you, it's not a joyride. Beauty and joy are two different things. It is a beautiful thing. It is not always a joyous thing. Mary's eyes remind us of this. Mary's eyes remind us that if we're going to serve this Jesus, who simply is just doing everything he can to wrap his arms around everyone, that it reminds us that oftentimes this Jesus will rip us from the organized bounds of organized religion. It will challenge normal bounds of morality and social acceptability. It will force us into places of deep empathy, even suffering, which this mother knows all too well. She knows that all the way to the death of this very child. But Mary knows that's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means to walk in the way of Christ. To know all of this, to know the weight of following this Jesus, and yet still inviting us, saying, this is the way to enjoy the love of this boisterous and unrestrained God. So with the passion of Luke 15, they celebrate finding the coin and finding the sheep. With that kind of passion, we are called to bring that to our reading from 1 John. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Friends, we're blessed today to have examples all around us, everywhere, of people who have loved us with the love of a mother. Some of them are moms, some of them not. And they show us what chaotic, scrambling love looks like. Love that won't sit still. Love that won't be quiet. And we know the power of that kind of love, right? You've tasted it. You know it. And so we return to Mary's eyes. We are invited to show that kind of love for every human being. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for our sins. And if we are loved, we don't need to worry about collecting love to ourselves. All we need to know is that we are loved by this Jesus. And we're simply invited to go show that love to others, to wrap our arms around anybody we can get our hands on. And so Mary asks us, who bear her name, it is not an accident that this place is called St. Mary's. And so for us specifically, may we who bear this mother's name May we also share her conviction to live into this kind of faith. And so I ask you, who is in your life who needs this kind of unkempt and unruly loving kindness? Who in this world is on the outside, marginalized, threatened, and needs an unruly, unkempt, scrambling Jesus to throw their tiny little arms around them in a big old bear hug? Who needs that kind of loving kindness? Because today reminds us that we are called to that kind of love. We say thanks for those who show us that love every day. May God empower us to be that kind of love in the world because of our mom. Amen.